Welcome to Speaking the Truth in Agape Love Podcast. We are hosts, Chad Mitchell and David Finch. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm Chad Mitchell. I'm David Finch. We're glad to be back with you. Just to let you in on a little something. We've been in the background here. I forgot to charge my iPad. (laughs) And so I got a new case. And <laughs> I was able to charge with my other case while using the USB-C port. And um, so I was able to charge. And so if I forgot to charge my iPad, no big deal. You just plug it in and record. Well, right now, currently with my iPad, I can use one port. Not that you guys care, but <laughs> anyway, so we're scrambling trying to figure this out. I'm at 13% on my iPad, and it's that's probably not going to last. So... I get my iPhone out. Sure enough, I found the cord that runs my iPhone with the with the our uh, equipment. Everything's on the cloud, so I just had to get it all pointed in the right direction. And it's a little different on your phone than your iPad, but here we are. <laughs> we're back, and we got it figured out, and we overcome. We endeavored to persevere, and so we're grateful for that. Um, it was getting a little discouraging there for a minute. But we're here, and we're glad to be here for another study. Just letting you know the frustration sometimes behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what's funny is, like, as you're talking about this, I don't even, it doesn't even sound like English to me. Yeah, I'm over here. <laughs> oh, oh, I know what's wrong. And I click on it, and then he, Dave. So um, just so you guys know, without David, I couldn't do this podcast, but David couldn't do the podcast without <laughs> me. No. So we're dependent on one another, and so that's why it's very difficult to do by ourselves. And so if one's on vacation, it, it's tough to to make it happen. And so um, uh, anyways, and sometimes we have real struggles. It they, Y'all don't realize, uh, maybe some of you do, but you don't realize how difficult it is to put on a production like this. And it? It's not necessarily a production. We're just sit, two guys sitting here having a Bible study. But um, there's a little bit of uh, tricks and, and finesse with the technology that you have to do behind the scenes to to make it work. And, and we pers- persevered tonight. And so we're I'm excited. So <laughs> um, so so with that tonight, we are going to have a part two, David. That's right. And, it, it, you know, we last week, you know, we studied uh, Moses versus Christ. Well, we get part two, and I understand as we're sitting here trying to have a conversation while I'm pounding away on this technology, Dave says he thinks there's going to be a part three. That's right. So we're looking forward to that. But with that, we'll go ahead and dive in. We're going to start in Hebrews 11. Um, so with with that, uh, oh, I know. I'm forgetting something. Uh, if you're in the area, come see us. Come come visit us. Come worship with us in Blackfoot, Idaho. Love to have you. Uh, 370 North Chilling. We were just talking. We had three sets of visitors Sunday, and we were grateful for that. Amen. We're, we're grateful that they seeked us out to worship God. Um, 10 o'clock Sunday morning, 11 o'clock. 10 o'clock Sunday morning is our class. Uh, Sunday, and then uh, 11 o'clock uh, Sunday morning is our worship. 370 North Chilling, Blackfoot, Idaho. You can look us up on Facebook. Um, we'd love to have you. Uh, we're two mile, two hours from Yellowstone. So if you're planning a trip that way, you certainly can stop by. And there's plenty of things to see. God's beauty in the in the 
the uh, scenery and the and the creation that God has given us around here. Amen. So if you're not planning, plan. Plan to go. <laughs> yeah. Right? If you if you want to come see some beautiful country, Idaho's a great place to visit. We'd love to have you. And we have a, a pull-through RV spot here uh, close to the church. Actually, two of them. And so you can reach out to us if you want information on that as well, if, you, if you're traveling with the RV. Okay. I think that's it, Dave. Yeah, sounds good oh, to me. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, jump into our study here. All righty. So like... Like Chad said, this is Moses versus Christ part two. And what we're really doing is we're, we're of course, not pitting one law against the other, but rather throughout the law of Moses, we see these beautiful foreshadowings. And it really draws the attention towards the perfection of God and, and his creation. And so through it, we get a deeper a deeper understanding and a deeper appreciation for who God is. As last week we talked about the uh, the sacrifices through the, the law of Moses were a lot like the sacrifice that that Christ was. You know, it had to be the first fruits as Christ is the first fruits to die, to arise, to never die again. And then how it had to be a spotless lamb of God. Well, that's exactly who Christ was. And so, and then, you know, looking at that, the war and fighting that they had throughout the Old Testament, really, when they allowed God to fight their battles, they won. God seen them through it. Just like for us today, we we fight a spiritual battle. And so we have to allow God to fight our battles for us or else we've lost before we even began. Well, and, and last week we talked about David and Goliath. You know, you remember. That's just, right. Just briefly. I mean... He let he put it all in God's hands. He did. You know, he went out there with very insufficient, <laughs> no um, armor, w- weaponry. Yeah, and and yet was as confident as anyone ever could be. Yeah, and you know we talked about it last week, so you can go listen to that one. But just a quick example, you know that that that's that's the kind of thing that that uh, I we probably don't do enough and put the that's battles, right. you know, give the battle to the Lord and and pray to Him and ask for help. Right, because too many times we we think, I got this, mm-hmm. you know, and no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, you really, if if God is not on your side, you don't have it, you know, and that's that's a a fool's errand right there. But anyway, so we are continuing this this thought of uh, foreshadowing. We're continuing this um, to to show the perfection in God. And to deepen our faith in him. And like Chad was saying, Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, as we see here, says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now, this passage is not necessarily the definition of faith, but the more we study the Word of God, the more we understand who God is. And it, it seeing how perfect He is, which of course deepens our faith in Him. The more trust that we're willing to put in Him, the more we study Him. And then from there, this is when we're going to start jumping into... Uh, the foreshadowings. So 
one thing with, with Moses, back in the Old Testament, they had a leprosy, right? Now, this leprosy, it was a, a wicked disease. And what we're going to look at is what this meant for them. So if somebody had leprosy, what did it mean for them? Chad, do you want to read Numbers 5, 1 through 4 for me? Yeah. Um. Yeah, let's see. So Numbers 5, 1 through 4 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp every leper, everyone who has a discharge, and whoever um, becomes defiled by a corpse. You shall put out both male and female. You shall put them outside the camp, that they may not defile their camps in the midst of which I dwell. And the children of Israel did so and put them outside the camp as the Lord spoke to Moses, so the children of Israel did. Okay, so there are a couple things that I wanted to point out. First and foremost, leprosy was highly contagious. And that's why they were put outside of the camp, so that they would not spread this wicked disease upon someone else. And in so many ways, leprosy represents sin in our life today. Mm-hmm. You know, under the law of Christ, as leprosy was highly contagious, so was sin among the brethren. Mm-hmm. In a congregation, in the body of Christ, sin is very contagious. As we see in 1 Corinthians 5, um, we're going to read 6 through 8. But in 1 Corinthians 5, now the the church at Corinth had a lot of problems, right? Where they were they were committing sins that weren't even known among the Gentiles. And here we see this man sleeping with his father's wife, right? So his his mother-in-law, he's sleeping with his mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And, but notice here how Paul is not condemning the man. The man is already condemned. What he goes on to say He's actually speaking to the congregation, and he's coming down on the congregation here in 1 Corinthians 5. So, starting in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 5, he says, Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover was sanctified for you. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So, the leaven that is being talked about is sin. A little sin spreads throughout the entire congregation. Mm. And so here he's saying you have got to put this man out. Mm-hmm. You got to kick this man out because if you let this go, it's only going to invite more sin in. Right. I uh, just I got a quick story. Yeah. I was working on a job where um, the rule was that we had to wear hard hats. Okay. All the time. But, right. But there wasn't really a lot of construction going on. But the contractors had to wear a hard hat. Well, the electrician start started not wearing his hard hat. Okay. So we're all like, well, shoot, he's not wearing one. So we kind of all, over a course of like three months, quit wearing them. Right. You know? 
then we got like rode up for not wearing a hard hat <laughs> like and we're like well and 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 we were kind of like i remember having to deal with it because i'm like well i was like we just kind of quit wearing them because everyone else was you know but then we got in trouble for it right and it took about three months <laughs> But I remember thinking, well, this isn't fair. He's not wearing one. Why Why am I getting in trouble for right. it? And, of course, they did too, but they got in trouble. But we got rode up first. We got hit up first. They really tried sticking it to us, you know. And I remember thinking, well, it's the rule. Like, why weren't we following it? We weren't following the plant's rule. We were just doing it because old so-and-so over here right. quit doing it. And so because one guy started it, the whole group of contractors quit doing it yeah and we all just kind of fell into it and then all of a sudden someone must have finally realized that we weren't doing the right <laughs> thing and they just laid the hammer down on us and it, it was i remember thinking well it's unfair but we totally deserve this right punishment because you know we didn't follow the rules yeah and and so it, it makes me think of that time that we got in trouble when we read stuff like this is exactly that's what the he's per- talking that's about. I read that James 2.10. Yeah, go ahead. So it says, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. So that's what we're talking about, stumbling in one point. Yeah. And if you don't take care of that, whatever, wherever someone is transgressing, if you don't take care of that and you let it go, maybe you think it's not a big deal. Yeah. So you don't say anything and you let that you let that go. Well, just like leprosy, it's going to sin spreads throughout the rest of the congregation. Yeah. And so another thing about this leprosy when somebody had leprosy, you know, when they were kicked out of the camp, this also meant that they could not worship in the synagogue. They they could not worship God with god's children anymore they yeah. they couldn't do any of that they yeah. they were not permitted to even go into the temple mm-hmm. so just like that when someone is sinning and they they continue to walk in sin we need to do the same thing in the body of christ yeah because the point is it drags everyone else down that's right and and i think everyone's probably can think of an example in their their lives um tessa was on a base or a softball team right and they're ready to like fire the coach this there was one girl and her mom that was just you know and everyone hated it no one's having fun well that girl quit okay the one that was causing all the problems yeah all of a sudden they started winning (laughs) go figure yeah and and they 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 kind of rallied around each other the coach was great everyone's happy it's like a total different team all because of one person yeah that brought the whole team down. And and it was, I mean, she had the parents mad. Everyone was mad. And it it, it turns out just one bad apple. There might have been two. There might have been another one that quit too. But anyways, the, this happens. We can see this is human nature. That's right. Okay. This happens. And, and we can see it happening. And that's why he's warning it. Because you can just take one person in God's church. To, to bring, bring the whole, the whole congregation group down. down. That's exactly what we're talking about. That's right. And, yeah, so like you're saying, it's no different in the church. And that's why when Paul was was writing to the church in Thessalonica, in 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, 
Paul says, but we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the traditions which he received from us. Yeah. So walking disorderly. Understand, this is different than just accidentally slipping up somewhere. You know, that's not what it's talking about. It's someone who continues to walk in it. So there's a difference between sinning and walking in sin. Yeah. And when somebody is walking in sin, they continue to do it. You know, one of the biggest ones, Dave, that you could say in today's society would be, say, a man's married to another man. Yeah. You know, or a woman, whatever, you know. That's right. That would be, if you're accepting that in the in the faith, God's teaching is very clear on it. That's I'm right. I'm not trying to start any controversies or nothing. But that would be a big one. The or, truth or, is the truth. Or maybe he's um like this one, married, unscripturally married. Yeah, or just sleeping with his father's wife. Yeah, or, you know, and we've talked even, maybe he's just living with his girlfriend. That's right. Or a boyfriend. She's yeah. living with her boyfriend. And that's just okay, you know, not married. Yep. You know, so it could be something like that. And you just ignore it. Oh, we can't talk about this because we don't want them to leave, you know. Yeah. So you just turned a blind eye to it. That's that's not acceptable, right? And that's exactly what he's talking about. That's a good right. point. So let's say, for example, they turn the blind eye. Mm-hmm. Well, then I'm going to go out and do the same thing. Yeah. Next thing you know, next oh, thing you know, the entire congregation's doing. Yeah. So and so's over living with his girlfriend, or vice versa. Yeah. Well, why are you doing that? Well, he is. You know. Yep. So we start using each other as excuses to do stuff. Yeah. And you know, Acts ten thirty four, God shows no partiality. So. Everyone is is equal. So when we start showing partiality, let's say Chad, we're letting you get away with it because you're you're the Barnabas around here. Right. We need some encouragement. But yeah, then, he's always in such a good mood, and it. That's right. We all just yeah. And then brother up in arms is over here doing the same thing you're doing, and we come down on him. Yeah, and that's not right. We're showing partiality. You know, we can't do that. That's the thing. We're all no one's exempt here. That's like right. you said, there's no partiality. Yeah, I don't care how much money you put in the collection tray. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because sometimes yeah. that's it. It's like we don't want to make him mad. We'll lose so much. You know, his contribution's so great. Yeah. Well, well that's when you got to ask: Is your faith in the Lord or this man? You know, exactly. providing all this money. So we have to be extremely careful here, and and that's what that's what exactly what he's telling them to do is the instruction. That's right. It's not what Chad thinks or Dave thinks here. Yeah, we're just telling you what it says <laughs> in the Bible. This is just what the Bible says. <laughs> And uh, so another thing about leprosy, in the Old Testament, it was actually impossible to get rid of it. Mm. You needed God's hand in it. Yeah, That's why they were cast out, and they they stayed out there for the rest of their life. You're about to read my favorite passage. Sweet. Oh, yeah. I think. Yeah, Second Kings? Yeah. I think we're coming up to that. Yeah. But this is why when, when Christ actually came onto the scene, you see a lot of people who had leprosy. Yeah. Come to Christ. Yeah. Because they needed to get rid of it. It was an uncurable disease. It was an uncurable disease. Be like, what, AIDS today? AIDS? Yeah. Or cancer? Actually, probably worse than AIDS because you can't catch AIDS unless you... Well, that's true. You know, get involved with them somehow, but... It'd be like cancer or something or... Yeah. Even worse than that. Like, I don't know. Like, let's say, for example, if COVID was... Once you got it, you had it forever Mm -hmm. and... You cough on somebody and they get it. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like what leprosy was. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why it was so serious. Mm-hmm. But this is why you see Naaman in Second Kings 
chapter mm-hmm. five. Yeah, he went. He was the commander of the army of the king of Syria, and he was, you know, loved by by the king over in Syria, but he had leprosy. Yeah, he traveled all the way from Syria all the way down to the king of Israel just to talk to a prophet of God because he knew he couldn't get rid of it. Yeah, and so. Uh, what's funny is, so you see him travel all the way down, and then in verse 11 and 12 of Second Kings chapter 5, after Naaman wasn't even able to talk to the prophet himself, the prophet had his servant go out and talk to Naaman, and the Elisha's servant came out and told him, dip seven times in the Jordan. Yeah. Well, that's not what he was thinking. So... Look at Naaman's reaction when he when he was told to dip seven yeah, times a, in the Jordan. He had a preconceived idea of what was going to happen. That's right. And so look at his reaction after he was told to dip seven times in the Jordan. Starting in verse 11. Did you want to read that, Chad? Sure. It says, But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy are not the uh abana and the pepper or uh what is that your guess is as good as mine papar the rivers of damascus better than all the waters of israel could i not wash in them and be cleansed so he turned and went away in a rage so he he was upset because he thought you know they were going to come out lay his hands on him and do this like big chant or whatever you know he thought this it had to be this grand thing because it was impossible to get rid of so god had to you know they had to pray to god and do all this and there's so many things we can learn from this oh yeah but then luckily naaman's servant thankfully naaman's servant talks some sense into him Mm -hmm. because when you see skip down to verse 14 his servant Talked to him, talked him into just doing it. You know, yeah. he said, "Just do it." If they told you to do something great, would you not do it? Yeah, I love that. His servant came near and spoke to him and said, "My father, if the prophet told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than when he says to you, wash and be cleansed?" Yeah, it's it's a great, <laughs> you know, probably was kind of a brave thing for him to say. To yeah, him. you know, and what's funny is, as a servant, yeah, I mean, like, of course, you- he's like. Just do it. Like he's used to being told what to do, right? Right. right. But but Naaman's the commander not, Yeah, he's not used to anyone telling him no. what to do. And so, you know, he's this big big man and so he's just like, just do it. Why not just do it? His and servant so, his servant was like, Our policy is <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> But his his uh servant talked some sense into him, you might say. Mm-hmm. And then in verse fourteen it says, So he being Naaman went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he could have he could have sat there and asked this question for the rest of his life. How could dipping seven times in a Jordan River cleanse leprosy? You know, it yeah. doesn't make sense. Like, mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense. But... It was the simple obedience to the voice of God. That's what cleansed you, yeah. by obeying what yeah. God says. Until he said to do, do it. 
Yeah. He, he didn't dip six times. And after dipping six times, it was still there. Yeah. It was after the seventh time. Yeah. He didn't he didn't sprinkle the water on him. Yeah. You and know? that's you know, that's what's beautiful about a lot of the miracles of God mm-hmm. is God didn't have to do that. He could have just snapped his fingers or whatever and Naaman would have been cleansed. Sure. But yeah, God wants it. us to be obedient to him. Yeah. That's it. Well, and there was some uh there was work that he had to do. That's right. There was actions that he had to do. That's in order a great for point to too. Work because he couldn't just receive it or you know learn from osmosis like I would wish happen. You know. Yeah. Um, he had some action they had to do. He had instruction given to him, and then he had to follow it. Yeah. Until he did that, he didn't receive the blessing. Until he followed it all the way through. Yeah. He couldn't stop in the middle of it. He couldn't stop after six. Yeah. He had to do all that was commanded of him. Mm-hmm. That's a great point, too, Chad. I didn't actually bring this out in my lesson, but same goes for us. Yeah. Under the law of Christ, we have to do what he asks of us. Yeah, we can't just receive it. That's right. There's there's work we have to do. And we can't skip any of the steps either. Well, and <clears throat> our heart has to be in it, too. Yeah. You know, and that's one thing, like old Naaman here, his heart wasn't in it until after. Yeah. Because he says in verse 15, he says, and he returned to the man of God, um, he and all his... Um, AIDS and came and stood before him and said indeed now I know there is no God in all the earth except in Israel now therefore please take a gift from your servant and he tries to pay for it well guess what God's God's salvation is not for sale that's right we have to work for it but it's not for sale you yeah, can't buy we it. can't buy it you can't buy it we have to just and obey of course, he rejects that you know um, Isaiah rejects that elisha or elisha rejects it yeah but what's funny is then his elisha's servant yeah. goes down and, and chases him down but and then they end up with the leprosy <laughs> yeah he ended up with the leprosy yeah. you know for disobedience well again and, there you go and there there you go it's and and god's salvation is not for sale that's right and in fact he actually says that doesn't he um let's see he says uh but he said as the lord lives before whom i stand I will receive nothing, and he urged him to take it, but he refused. And then uh, when Elisha's talking to a servant later on, does he not say that? Uh, What's funny is I did not read it all the way down. Uh, let's see. I'm looking. Go in peace, so he departed, and I'm a short distance. But Gaius, Gaius, Gehazi, whatever, <laughs> the servant of Elisha, the man of God. Look, my master has spared Naaman, this Syrian, while not receiving from his hands what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take some from him. So he went, goes and gets it. Okay, yeah. he. I don't think he does actually say, you know, uh, the salvation of the Lord is for sale. Yeah. But he says... Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence, leprous as white as snow. So Gehazi, his servant, yeah, he ended up with took the on leprosy. that leprosy. Yeah, but that's that's disobedience, you know. And that that was something that he went against his own master. He, you know, he he brought reproach upon God. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> I never understood that because, like, he's going to get this money and come back. And, 
It's like, how are you gonna hide that? It's yeah. like, do you really not think he's gonna notice? Like, where did you get that? Yeah, it, I know I didn't give it to you. <laughs> I know, and it's like, um, hey, guys, uh, where'd you get that nice coat? You know, how'd you afford that? You know, yeah. What are you gonna hide it? I mean, you're a servant. What What are you gonna do with the money? I've been saving up. Yeah, I've been saving up. Uh, well, that's pretty expensive camel you got there. Where'd you get that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, anyways, he didn't think it through. Clearly, yeah. But you know, he uh, he paid for it. He paid for it with his life. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't just him; it was his descendants as well. Mm-hmm. And they'll have it forever because yeah. of his disobedience. Yeah. Um, well, that's one of mine because there's so many things we can relate. The, that's the right. Key, the key that we're pointing out here is that he ended up doing what God told him to, and when he did, he received the blessing. That's right. And you know, and as leprosy is like our sin. Right, as we see in Romans three twenty three, all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Every one of us has sinned, and so we all our souls are leprous, mm-hmm. right? And and essentially that's what's what it is. And only God can cleanse it. Mm-hmm. Only God can cleanse our souls and make them make them pure again and clean. And it is by our simple obedience to the Word of God. That's what cleanses us, mm-hmm. you know, and as we see in Acts 2, 37 and 38. Now, this is right after Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost, and he, as I put it, he laces into the the Jews. You know, he says, you are responsible for crucifying Christ. You are responsible. And then... As they recognize that they have made their souls leprous, you know, where they I they have is, sinned. This is the big, big point because verse 37, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. That's right. We need to be cut to the heart. That's right. Okay. You know, you know Naaman's heart didn't change till after he received the blessing. Yeah. He, he was, gr- you could just see him grudgingly. Dipping, okay, fine, whatever, I'll try this, you know. Um, our heart has to be right when yeah. we decide to follow the Lord, just like Good these point. Christians here. Yep. Their heart was cut. Um, and, and then so, they were like, men and brethren, what shall we do? And so at that point, after they had been convinced, yep. then they had some actions that they needed to do. And, yeah, and they, they asked, what must we do? What Once they recognized that their souls was leprous, so here's here's a couple things that that we should point out. They heard the the gospel call, so it was it was preached to them, and they heard it. They believed it, mm-hmm. and then they they're confessing that that Jesus is the Son of God because, as they they were told that they're responsible for killing the Son of God, they're like, "Whoa, what must we do?" So this is this is in large part them confessing. Now it doesn't say that they're confessing, but through other scriptures, we can get there. So if anyone has any questions, how I get there, please mm-hmm. drop a question and, and we can answer that. But after they ask, what must we do? Look what Peter tells them to do. Peter says to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Mm-hmm. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the word baptism means completely cleansed or submerged or immersed in water. And according to the Word of God, this is the only way to have remission of sins. 
And the word remission means pardoned or freed. So we are completely cleansed of our sin. Now, this is in Christ or in God, this is different than, let's say, a prisoner who served 20 years for, I don't know, murder, yeah. right? He served his time, and then he he's released from prison. Everyone is always going to look down on them. They're never going to trust this convict ever again. Yeah. He will always be a convict in other people's eyes. Like, he, he has his freedom, but he wasn't, he wasn't freed from it, mm-hmm. you know, because he's always going to be looked down on. Well, with God, this is not the case. He is going to not just free us from that sin, but he's going to act as if it never happened, which is a real beautiful thing to recognize. So it's going to be as if it never happened. Just like Naaman in Second Kings 5.14, at the end of verse 14, it says, And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. Mm-hmm. And he was clean. This is the same for our souls. When we are baptized into Christ, our souls will be as innocent as as a baby soul, sinless. It's going to be restored, completely cleansed from from sin. So all that that marring and and scarring on our souls that we've done with our sin, when we are baptized into Christ, it is all made perfectly pure again. Only God can do that. Mm-hmm. And we can be like Naaman. How can being baptized into water, how can that cleanse my soul from sin? You know what? Just like Naaman, until you obey, you will not be cleansed. Because the entire time it was God. God is the one that cleansed Naaman. It wasn't the Jordan River. You know, the Jordan River isn't a special river that flows it has nothing to do with the jordan river and everything to do with obedience he tells us to get baptized so until you are baptized you do not have forgiveness of your sins Mm -hmm. now understand baptism is not the only step the you have to follow his whole plan just like in in acts 2 how he they heard the message preached they believed it and they are confessing christ because they they recognize that Jesus is the Son of God. And as they're confessing it, then they ask Peter, what must we do? And what does he tell them? Repent and be baptized. So there's mm-hmm. the, the five steps. Hear, believe, confess, repent, and be baptized. Yep. And when we follow his plan, that's when God will cleanse us and make our souls pure again. Yeah. Sinless. Well... And believe, I mean, that's that comes from the heart. That's right. Okay, and so that's what I was pointing out. There was Naaman didn't didn't believe till it actually happened, but he's our an, an example for us. Yeah. And when God tells you to do something, well, and do th- this it. is why it's Cause a because it, it will happen. That's right. This is why it's it's more of a a foreshadowing. Yeah. Of the new law, so it it doesn't fit perfectly, but there's a lot of. A lot of similarities so mm. it's more of a similarity rather than like a prophet or a uh, prophecy because a prophecy it has to happen exactly the way the prophet says it has mm-hmm. like for example you know 
Christ being born. He had to be born of a virgin. It had to be a, a virgin. <laughs> yeah. You know, he had to be conceived in a virgin rather than, well, she's married. She never she never had any relations before marriage. Yeah. No, she had to be a virgin. Yep. And so, you know, that's a prophecy, though. This is a foreshadowing. So, like you're bringing out, he didn't really believe until no. after. Mm-mm. But as in Christ, you know, that's a part of his plan. You know, and, and so you bring something else out. Like we were saying, you, you have to follow the whole plan. Yeah. So let's say, for example, you don't believe in Christ, but you're going to get baptized. Well, and that's that's the thing. You, it, you're you not going to be like Naaman. You can't just go get baptized and then all of a sudden, oh, I feel different. I'm going to believe. It doesn't work that way. That's right. You have to follow the whole you plan. You have to follow the whole plan. And you, your heart has to be pricked just like those Christians, those first Christians in Acts chapter 2. That's right. It's a it's a changing of your mind. That, absolutely. And and so it you can't just go out and dip seven times in the river and be like, I'm good. And guess what? There's people who do that today. Yeah. You know, they go I heard I heard from your parents when they went to yeah. uh Israel. Yeah, they went to the Jordan River and there's people getting baptized in the Jordan River. <laughs> they're they're paying to do that now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I've also seen um when we were out in Florida, a big church group showed up on the on the shore like a couple of buses and they all just ran out into the um ocean and and um started baptizing each other (laughs) right and um there's no meaning behind that yeah and they're like singing and there was like they were they were really feeling it you know and um i ran into a couple in the bathroom they were changing you know and they were talking about, they were asking each other, so have you ever done that before? Yeah, yeah, I've done it about three times. It's it's so spiritual, you know? So, like, they <laughs> they just go out and, like, get baptized in the ocean every once in a while, every time they feel like being spiritual or something. I don't know. Huh. Well, that's not what it's all about. You're that's not right. doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. You and know? we actually have an example of this in Acts 19, mm-hmm. where... They were baptized under John's baptism. Yeah. And uh, they were asked, did you receive the Spirit when you were baptized? He said, well, I, no. They said, well, then what were you baptized into? Into John's baptism. Mm-hmm. And he, he explains. But then after this, they were baptized again into Christ. Yeah. So you can't you can't be baptized into Christ. Like, as it says in Acts 2.47, it is Christ who adds you to his church. Yeah. He's not going to add you to his church if you don't believe in him, if you don't confess him, if you've never heard of him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why you have to follow the whole plan. Yeah. You know, this is what has been laid out for us to follow. You have to follow all of it. Mm-hmm. You can't pick and choose what you want to follow. Let's say, for example, you do everything except repent. Yeah. You don't want to repent of your sins. No. You know, and, and a repent means... A change of mind, meaning you're going to turn away from it yeah. and turn towards or, or God. Some people would say, "Well, I'm not turning away from this one sin." Right. You know. Well, then you're not repenting. Yeah. And and so, the baptism is null and void. That's what we see in in um, Mark sixteen sixteen. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Well, if you don't believe in Christ, then your baptism is worthless. You know, just like if you don't repent it's Mm -hmm. worthless you have to do everything 
And then once you're baptized into Christ, that's not the end of it either. You know, you mm-hmm. have to you have to continue to remain faithful to him. Mm-hmm. And so his plan is crucial and it's it's the whole plan. So baptism is not the most important thing or the uh only thing. It, you, every step is important. You have to you have to follow his plan, you know, and hearing like I know we're getting getting off subject a little bit, but hearing is not just hearing about the Bible. It's it's about hearing about God's part for us, hearing of His love and His His Son as He He sent Him down. But hearing of His mercy, hearing of His grace, just like what we're doing, we're we're looking at God's perfection. We're looking at God's love for us. And this, you know, and the more we study, the more His love is is shown. And that's what we have all these examples for. That's right. You know, they've been given to us for our learning, and we can learn tons of things. And that's why we're getting off course, because <laughs> there's just so much here that you can talk about and that's right. learn and understand and and help yourself be a better Christian, better person. Very good point. And so um, the next point I wanted to look at was... At the beginning with with Moses, when the Lord first came to Moses, the Lord came to Moses in a burning bush. And there's a lot of similarities or foreshadowings in this first part that ties directly to Christ. So let's go ahead and read uh, Exodus 3, 1 through 12. And we're going to read through this, and then we're going to kind of go back through and and make, you know, tie all these in and kind of break it down a little bit. But let's go ahead and read all the way through it so we get the full story. So if you're listening in with us, please turn there and follow along with us. And keep your your Bibles there so you can, we can keep going back to it. But it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will not turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Or he says, yeah. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he, being God, said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, and the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmaster, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hevites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, 
the cry of the children of Israel have come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to the Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So like I said, this is the, the first place where God appears to Moses. But in this story, like I was saying, there's so many foreshadowings. First one, let's look at verse 8 and 10. So God is proclaiming to Moses deliverance for his people. So it is Moses was to proclaim deliverance for the people. Then when you turn over to Ephesians 3, 10 and 11. Chad, you want to read that? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's Ephesians 3, 10 and 11. All right. It says, To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then also in 1 Timothy 3.15, he says, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. So we see that now the church, which is the body of Christ, is the one to deliver the message of deliverance. It is all in Christ, you know, but the church is the one to deliver the message of deliverance to the people now. Mm -hmm. And we are to deliver it to the whole world Mm -hmm. as, as the message is for all, Mm -hmm. but only a few. So choose to follow it. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 it has always been for Christ to bring deliverance to the world. And he does not, he even does it today through his body. Mm-hmm. And then the second point to, to point out, in Exodus 3, 5, God tells Moses to take off his sandals because he is standing on holy ground. So Moses was not to defile the holy ground with his dirty sandals. Then when you look at Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Now what's beautiful about this is this is actually... As Paul is talking here, he's talking about how the husbands are to treat the wives and the wives are to be with their husbands. But notice in the midst of this, he uses this analogy as Christ with his church. So starting in verse 25 of Ephesians 5, he says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Mm -hmm. We as the church needs to keep the body of Christ clean. This is, in the body of Christ, this is the holy ground. Therefore, we need to be holy and not defile his body with our sins and trespasses. Well, and I I liked, if you continue on there, verse 28, 
So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. That's right. You know, and you think about that. I mean, we love ourselves more than anything, right? Yeah. We're going to protect ourselves, you know. And and that's what Christ did for the church. And we're to love our wives more than ourselves. That's right. That's what Christ did for the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very good point. He loved the church more than he loved himself. He gave himself. That's right. And that's what makes it such a great um, sacrifice that he made for us. And that's what we need to be willing to do for Christ. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as as it says, we are to be... We are to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord, Romans twelve one. Mm-hmm. So we are called to remove the sin from our life, much like the sandals needed to be removed from Moses' feet. And and these points, we're actually kind of going through them rather a little bit quicker. But then this the third point I wanted to bring out is when you look at verse 2 and 3 of Exodus 3, you notice how the the burning bush was burning, but it was not consumed, which would be, by the way, a beautiful sight to see. Like, can you imagine actually seeing that? You know, the the leaves not crumpling in that heat. Well, and and uh, you know, I always picture like a dry bush. Okay, um, a lot of times when I'm trying to build a fire in the mountains, I'll find a dry bush and it burns really good, right? And gets the fire going really hot, and so a bush of really any kind, I would think, would burn really quickly yeah, okay, and be consumed really quickly. That's right. The thing is, that didn't happen here. Yeah. You know, it didn't even burn. It was just a flame. Yeah. So, you know, a couple problems there. What was the fuel? Oh, it was God. It was That's right. You know? And, and not only that, though, but he was how the bush was not consumed. So it was it was it was on fire, but it wasn't getting blackened. It wasn't it wasn't being consumed by that fire. Mm-hmm. You know, much like uh I can think of like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego mm-hmm. in Daniel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How they were thrown into the fiery furnace mm-hmm. and they, they came out not even smelling like the smoke. You know, not even smelling like smoke at all. But when you turn over to Matthew sixteen eighteen, now this is when Peter made his great confession in Christ. Notice what Jesus says in verse 18. He says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, which was his great confession, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So notice how the church of Christ, which, by the way, is singular, <laughs> Yeah. As Jesus only built one church, upon this rock I will build my mm-hmm. church. The only church that even the gates of Hades cannot consume it. Only the kingdom that will not be consumed by the fires of hell. This is the only kingdom. Mm-hmm. But there's there's actually a little bit more to bring out, which for us, as we are doing his work on this earth, Chad, can you turn over to 1 Peter 1? Yeah. 6 and 7. Yep, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, 
that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, then also over in 1 Peter 4, if you go over just a three yep. chapters over, okay, 12 and 13, do you want to read that too? Sure. Uh, it says, um, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed to you, may also be glad with exceedingly joy. Okay. So, as we see here, Christ's church, which of course is his people, is going to go through the fiery trials. We are going to be, we're called to walk through the fire. But, as you know, it, as it says, we're going to be tested by fire. We are walking through this fire. But, if we stick to the Lord, stick to his word, we will not be consumed in that fire. Yeah. So, as, as the fire is around us, you know, much like that burning bush yeah. that is not consumed... We have to walk through the fire, but we will not be consumed. Well, and it says, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. That's right. So, Knowing that the Lord is going to see you through it. Yeah, and we're partaking of his sufferings. I mean, he's, he came to this earth yeah. and was tempted as we are, tried as we are, Yep. you know, went through the same things that we go through, you know? Yeah. And so he knows. He can sympathize with us. Yeah, and, and we we suffer much the same because we believe in Christ. And But this is what Paul is talking about when he's talking to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Mm -hmm. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So this is what this is essentially what Paul is saying here. You're going to walk through the fire, right? Mm -hmm. But if you stick to the Lord, now this fire will consume you, mm -hmm. mind you. This fire will consume you as as he says except such as is common to man. So yes, it's common for man to be overtaken in this trespass. So you can be consumed in that fire. But mm -hmm. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape. So you have to look for that way of escape. You have to look to the Lord to not be consumed by that fire, mm -hmm. so you will be able to bear it. But only if you turn to the Lord. Turn to Him and allow Him to guide you through it. Mm -hmm. You know, there is this one path through this fire that is not going to consume you. And that's his path. Follow that path. Allow him to follow you through that path. Yeah, and it's it's there's not many paths that lead to it. Only you know, one? We talk about, a lot of people talk about, um, you know, well, as long as we both have core beliefs, it doesn't matter about all the rest. You know, you've heard that before, haven't you? Oh, yeah. It's like, but we, we you believe in Christ, right? Yeah. Did you accept him into your heart? Well, I guess, yeah. Where does it say that in the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> well, then we're good. We're good. We see we both believe in Christ, so we're good. Yeah. Well, it doesn't work that way. No. There's instruction, just like 
you know, I've brought up plenty of times. Um, it's like following a manual. Yeah. You change the manual. It's no longer whatever was written on the front of that manual. Now yeah. it's Chad's manual, you know? Yeah, that's right. And so you have to follow those and you have, and, and we can agree on them. Yeah. We, we, you know, we, we don't disagree on them. Just like it says in Matthew 15, 8 and 9. Let me turn over there. Matthew 15, 8 and 9. He says, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Going back to the heart like you were saying, Chad. Oh, yeah. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Yeah. So and they they hold the, the commandments of men equal to the word of God. That's why we keep saying you better double check and make sure that uh you you know you're not following man's teachings if it came from man you shouldn't be doing it no like the bible as we are walking through this and this is why i like the analogy you know we're walking through this fire yeah and the lord says this way is the way out Mm -hmm. and as we're walking through the fire we're going to turn to the left and be like no i'm going to go this way yeah or i'm going to go that way Mm -hmm. it's like we do that you know and and that's why we have over what 200 denominations Mm -hmm. in the u.s alone that's why, because mm-hmm. people say, no, I'm going to go left, or no, I'm going to go right. Mm-hmm. But that's not the Lord's way. You know, you can't have, there's, there's no such thing as having core beliefs, and that's, like, acceptable. Mm-hmm. Where do you find that in the Bible? You know, yeah. the words which I speak will judge you on that day. That's what Christ says in John twelve forty eight. The word is going to judge you. So you have to follow the word, mm-hmm. because that word is what's going to lead you to eternal life. And only the word, mm-hmm. and you can't, you can't pick and choose what you want from it. Keep in mind, we're walking through this fire. Make sure that you're actually walking the only way that God permits. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't, if you turn away from that and try to find your own path, you're going to be consumed by, in that fire. Period. Oh man, yeah, yeah. It's a great, it's a great way of looking at it, and and it's how He intended us to understand it. That's right. You know, and and uh, that's why we're pointing all this out. But this is actually why I love foreshadowings, because you can you can dig a lot deeper into it sometimes. Okay, so when you go back to Exodus three, verse two and verse four, it says God was in the midst of the burning bush. And just like this, when you turn over to First Corinthians three, sixteen and seventeen, he says, "Do you not know that you are a temple?" Of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And then also in Ephesians 2 20 through 22, it says, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So, when you look at these, just like God was in the midst of the burning bush, God, in like manner, is in the midst of his church. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful thought. You know, and a lot of times we don't think of it like that. God is in the midst. Mm -hmm. He is here. He, He dwells among us. You know, he is a part of his church just like he was in the midst of that burning bush. So 
Do you have any thoughts? I know that we're about out. Yeah, we're about out of time. Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I, I just think that um, we have to be real careful. I mean, the the only way that we can understand this is by looking into his word. Amen. And reading from it. Take some time out of your day away from social media. Read God's word. Yeah. Instead. You know, You're going to scare yourself when you find out how much time you actually spend on social media rather than yeah, something else. Yeah, exactly. Or any, really anything, games. A lot of people play games on their phone. Yeah. Cut some of that out and read God's word. It's yeah. so easy to do it. And um, meditate in it. Meditate in it. That was uh, Chadwick Brewer. Um, I seen a p- post on, on Facebook. Um, he lives over in the Carolinas, one of them. And he's a preacher, and he, he put a post on uh, Facebook uh, that said, um, use a regular printed Bible. And here's why. Because your phone gets a pop-up. There's so many distractions on your phone. <laughs> That's a good point. Now, I love using the technology for searching scriptures, you know. Right. But it's too easy to get a notification and go, oh, click on it. Next thing you know, you're checking your emails, you know. Scroll on Facebook. <laughs> or I just got a notification just now that the the presidential or Republican presidential debate is going on. Watch now, whatever. I'm which I could care less, you know. But it just popped up. Oh, okay. Yeah. And boom, now you're not reading the Bible anymore. So read a paper Bible when you go to read and just read and and clear your mind, you know. Yeah. And and think and meditate on his word. You know, I encourage myself, you, Dave, and all you out there because we're all guilty of this. Okay. Absolutely. I'm speaking from experience here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you can get distracted so easy. You can. And it and sometimes I wonder if it's not by design, by the devil trying to pull us away from it. That's right. So anyways, that's all I got. Thanks everyone for uh studying with us tonight. It was a little frustrating for me because we had a few technical difficulties, and I apologize for that, but it just happens, man. Yeah. And uh, if you have any questions, the email's in the link. Send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Another reason to go to paper Bibles, by the way. Yeah, another (laughs) reason to go to paper Bibles. Yeah, except I don't know how to get the paper Bible to record. (laughs) Yeah, well, you have that problem. Okay. Well, anyways, thanks for listening, everyone. We're looking forward to maybe part three next week. Yeah. So thanks, folks. We'll see Thank you, later. you everyone.